0: Okay, when, uh, when God was commissioning Joshua, uh, these words were recorded, uh, what he said. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I don't know about you, sometimes in life, um, I have to hang on to the word of God. And it's interesting that God is commissioning Joshua here. And all these great words that we love, be strong, be courageous. He says it again, be very strong and very courageous. And have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. But in, in the middle of all of that, uh, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. He knew that it just couldn't be Joshua's actions. He had to go in the strength of God, but also the word of God. He had to hold on to its truth. Meditate on it day and night. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit um, uh, this morning. A word-filled life, as we go through this series on discipleship. And why do I want to talk about that? Um, Because it's easy, isn't it, to fill life with other things. Um, uh, You look at the world around us, you look at all the world's opinions, you look at all the latest thinking, and it's easy to get distracted from what the word of God uh, says. And And if we do that in the church, then we're not only witnessing to a confused world... We're, we're a confused church. If we're not going to take the word of God for God's word, then we're going to get confused because we'll be swayed by all types of, of thinking, which is out there uh, at the moment. So you'll have a confused world and a confused church. We don't want a confused church. We acknowledge uh, the world gets a bit confused, but, but they don't all follow God or His Word, but the Christians should, and we're uh, the witness to it. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from you. Meditate on it uh, day and night. Christians, knowing God's Word to us by the power of the Spirit, I think it's wonderful. I don't mean a word twenty or thirty of those slips. I doubt if Katie read all of them, uh, but that's God's Word speaking. I'm glad that people had courage to write down. That's God's Word speaking into uh, personal lives, the life of the church, uh, and the life. Of individual Christians. Uh, the Bible says Paul's writing to a young pastor in Ephesus and he says to him, all scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed it's, and, and it's the, the word is as if he's continually breathing it. It's as applicable for us today as it was uh, then. But he also warns that the time will come when people won't put up with sound doctrine. Uh, they will turn their ears aside to myths. And so the church has to be strong in its belief And it's action, uh, it's reaction to the word of God. Because the world won't put up with sound doctrine. And we can see how confused the world is at the moment on all sorts of issues. But we need to have that sound uh, doctrine. And we need to have those words of God in our hearts, ready to speak them out. Ready to be prophetic in the world. Um, And it's wonder why they're suffering. They're not uh, honouring this, that will suffer. And they are suffering, and they wonder why they're suffering. Uh, but we need to honour the world of God. I'm going to read, um, as per the preaching plan, from Psalm. I'm going to read more than Psalm uh, 1 to 3. I'm going to read all of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff, that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the Lord stands with us as we're righteous. and we get righteous, we're nourished and fed uh, by the word of God. And of course, we know uh, that the word of God is the one that tells us, as one of the scriptures was written, there is no condemnation now for those that are in Christ Jesus. So we know that we stand righteous because of Christ, not because of our own strength. But he doesn't leave us uh, where we are when we become a Christian. He, lo- he seeks for us to grow. And one of the ways that we grow is through the nourishing of God's word. And we don't want to neglect it. And I will challenge you. Uh, I believe probably all of us have neglected it at some point in our lives. I've neglected it at some point in my life. Sometimes I've been in times when I'm really using it for preaching and teaching uh, or alphas, and I'm getting into it, studying it, but I'm not letting it speak to me, because it's alive and active, it says about itself. It's living, active, sharper than a double-edged sword, and it's got to be able to speak. It's not just a study manual. It's a living word of God. Amazing, and we, we, it's easy to get distracted. The wilderness uh, by the Dead Sea in Palestine isn't a pretty sight. If ever you've been there, you would know. I've not been there, I've read about it, So, uh, but some of you I know have been there. It's desolate, hostile, dry, uh, dusty. You wouldn't want to be left there alone. If you're there with a tour guide and a coach, that's all well and good, uh, but you wouldn't be left out there alone. The climate and terrain is very challenging, and it would be very unnerving if you just sat there on your own. Put someone there on their own. Put him there for, with no food for six weeks, and at the same time, that person's wrestling with some of the deepest and profound questions that affect humankind. Uh, uh, those questions that were there then, and the same questions for us this morning now. Can you imagine? You know, He's quite desperate, he's dry, probably the throat is a bit dry, he's really hungry. Uh, he'd be vulnerable to any temptation, you would think. Now thrown to the situation, this person's the son of God, Jesus Christ, with power to do amazing things, that he could take away those circumstances, he could ease the pain that he's in. It's against that background that the devil comes to ask him what seems like a perfectly reasonable question, especially now he's really, really hungry. He says, first of all, he says a bit of doubt, because a few verses before, the voice from heaven says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. The devil will know. Uh, He starts with the if. If you're the son of God. He puts doubt in Jesus' mind. So if you're the son of God, so this is a a reasonable request, you'd think, tell these stones to become bread. He's saying, look, you know, you're in a time of need. Ignore all this other stuff. If you want to do it, just change it. Do it. And why not? He was hungry. He would have satisfied a personal need. But in fact, despite of that physical weakness and hunger, Jesus gives an incredible answer. Um, and he speaks the word of God. He speaks scripture into the situation. He says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's in Matthew 4:4. 4, 4, 4. and he's quoting uh, from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verse 3. Jesus said then, and he says now that more, than, more important than all the temptations uh, in the world, all the niceties, all the thoughts that culture can give you, all the distractions, the important thing is God's word to humankind. God speaking to his people. They're called disciples uh, in the Bible, apprentices. And, and it's important then that if Jesus knew it and used the word of God to respond to the devil in that time of temptation that could have eased his physical needs, then then Christians should know it and respond to it in the same way now. There's a God who has spoken in the Bible. He continues to speak through the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed. He speaks in other ways as well, but he speaks a lot through his word. And we need to be a reading, listening and applying people in a world that really generally dishonours it. They're sitting in the seat of mockers. You can't believe this. You can't believe God. You can't take God as his promises. Does God even exist? They're sitting in the seat of mockers. And sometimes you'll find those mockers in the church as well. There is a God who speaks continually through his word. Churches have shrunk where God's word is treated in a, in a kind of lazy fashion. I see them as I travel around. I don't travel around much. But when I do, sometimes you can tell. I mean, I've loved it. that We've had loads of scripture this morning. There can't be enough. in in a worship service. But you can go to some churches hardly mentioned. And those churches, um, they're they're being lazy. Um, They're trying to please everybody. And any politician will tell you, you can't do that. Uh, You've got to go with what God says and go with it and accept the consequences because God is more important. Anything else for me is a temptation from the enemy. You can't please everybody. Word and spirit together make for a healthy church, a growing church, one that's being nourished by God's word and encouraged by God's Spirit. I think that some have had had a loss of confidence, and we don't want that here. We want confidence in the Gospel, but some have had a loss of confidence, a loss of nerve in the promises of God and in the Christian Gospel. They fail to preach the good news of Christ, and they lack any authority, because they're not really sure what they believe, because they're not in the Word. They're not meditating it day and night. They're not letting it nourish and enrich them. The flourishing churches... And these are facts. The flourishing churches are those that will take God's word and apply it with confidence, honouring God's word and applying it with confidence, speaking into the world as we find it today, keeping that prophetic edge and distinctiveness. And nowhere in the Bible does it say we must become like the culture we live in. It doesn't say it. In fact, it says the opposite, doesn't it? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you'll be able to test what God's perfect and pleasing will is. So we want to flourish in church. In my life, um, especially in challenging times, as I've read and pondered the Bible, as I've spent time, which is precious, uh, it's one of the distractions, um, with God and his word, he speaks. The word is alive, because it's the word of God. And it speaks to us by the power of his spirit. It's living and active. Don't get distracted don't underestimate the power of the... It's why, it's why some countries ban it. Because it's the power to change nations. And it has done in history. It changed this nation at one point. But as we turned our back on it, you can see the road we're going down. Don't get distracted. Distraction is a great ploy of the enemy. You ever found when you want to go and read your Bible, something else comes up? You've got to make time. It's a discipline. Uh, you know I like golf. And uh, on the golf course, they've, they've got this thing where... Uh, to play good golf, they okay, say so you've got to live in the moment. Okay, and what that means is you can't think about the last shot, which inevitably would have been bad, because that's going to affect the next shot. You've got to concentrate on this shot. You can't change the last shot. You can't plan the one after until you know what you've done with this one. So put all your energy into this. Okay, and then So you stand over the ball and you, get your, you think about everything in alignment. And then you hear someone shout. You know. Sometimes there's things you don't want to hear. But hopefully the word is for and not coming towards you, you know, the ball. But as soon as you hear it, in your mind you think, oh yeah, I wonder, you kind of want to look and see who's messed up so you know that you're not the only one on the golf course that does that. But then, where you had your pre-shot routine, you know, you line up the ball and you get your stance and you get this and then you swing back and go. Now you've kind of been distracted, now you kind of, okay, I better play my shot, and you duff it. My eye was off the ball, so to speak. It's been distracted I've got to be focused. Tiger Woods, you look at Tiger Woods, he's incredibly focused. He's made a bit of a comeback recently. His dad, when he was a kid, used to uh, train him, and when they practiced, would shout things out of the blue in the middle of his backswing, just so he got used to not being distracted on the golf course. And if ever you watch him, he's totally focused. How much more a Christian must be focused on the word of God and not get distracted by the noise that comes from elsewhere what are the distractions there's so many of them um, but I've listed three because I think uh, well I know for me uh, these are some of the ones that get me and probably for you as well the first one is the pressure to conform culture that says you must exceed earn the most or own the most or be the best or have the most power don't get me wrong I'm up for giving my best I want to give 100% in everything I do but it cannot be my God That activity cannot be my God. When I make those things my God, I'm inevitably going to be disappointed because I'm relying on my own strength. It will never be enough. And the devil tempted Jesus with this. In Matthew 4, verse 8, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. All this I will give to you, he said, power, possessions, all this stuff I'm going to give to you, if you'll bow down and worship me. So if you turn away from God, and Jesus says to him, away from me, Satan. And you know what he does? He uses God's word, because he knew it. For it is written, worship the Lord your God, and serve him only, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. It was through the scriptures that Jesus resisted Satan's temptations. How much more then do we need to have this in our heart, meditating on it, morning, night, during the day? Uh, You know, we, we... This collection of books has been so or tried to be so undermined in the world yet again and again it's proven to be right and as time goes on we see that more and more more and more and more and we must turn to God first more than the world the world has got all sorts of mixed messages about all sorts of things at the moment and it's easy to get swayed by and not want to offend anybody but we have to come back to God's word in my moments and I have them where you feel you get low, or your spirituality might feel low. You're not always on the mountaintop. Sometimes uh, you're in the desert. And you get those things, you know, am I a Christian? Am I really loved? Does God really accept me? And, and if you rely just on the feelings, you can rapidly go downhill. And it's at those times, those desperate times, maybe in sickness, uh, or maybe when life just seems tough, I have to turn to God's word and I say, well, I choose to rely on what you've said. Not what these things are coming in my mind or what the world says. I choose to take you at your word. And he pulls you through because his word is alive and active. There's this pressure to perform, pressure to fit in with culture. We don't need to do that. Um, We're not of this world. Uh, We're of God's family. Uh, the, The second distraction, busyness and activism, probably all of us um, can relate to that. We all get busy, right? We're all busy. Um, you know, busy. You know, how are you? I'm busy. You get all that, then not you? And it's also almost worn with like a badge of pride. I'm really busy. I'm really busy. There's only one person in charge of your diary. I'll say this to the other ministers on the team. You've got to put your gaps in. You've got to put space in. Um, you can have three years of real intense busyness, and then you'll have eight years in the hospital. You're better off going in for the long term. And you have those moments when you're in the red zone. We understand that but don't feel guilty when you're in the green zone. We have a little sort of rev counter thing we use. But David Watson said, perhaps our lack of hope about tomorrow has made us frantic about today. We've become obsessive with time, having lost sight of eternity. And our busyness needs to be challenged. The fact is, we are busy. But we do find time for other things. Um, I need to find time to be in God's presence and his word. If I've got time to watch TV or read a magazine or a book or whatever it is, I've got time to be in his word. I'm not saying you've got to all of a sudden become a monk and go off somewhere, but you do have time. You can make time. And this is one of the most important things uh, you can do. But especially in the southeast, we're busy. We walk faster than anyone else, I'm told. people who travel around the country. They say that. You say, so you come here and everyone walks double speed. You know, it's, it's interesting. So in that business, and I spoke about it a few weeks ago, sometimes, you know, you've got the whole Martha-Mary story. We've got to be the one sometimes that sits at the feet of Christ and be, be nourished by his word. Um, final one, there's loads more, but I'm sort of trying to get into this and I'm running out of time. But um, interesting statement that Jesus says. Uh, and I wonder, I want to just for a second um, uh, put yourself in the shoes of Peter. You're Peter. Okay, If you're a lady, I know this is difficult, but just try and go with the flow a little bit. You're Peter, you're a good follower of Christ, and this is good. and You're part of his you know, inner circle. You're one of the chosen ones that are going to be with him for three or so years. And you're wandering around. And then Jesus, in Mark 8.33, looks at you. He looks at you, one of his close followers, who he loves. And he says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, how would, how would you feel, seriously, if I said that to you one day? You know, you said something like, Ian, I didn't like one of the hymns. I said, well, get behind me, Satan. You'd be offended. You probably wouldn't turn up anymore. I promise you, if you do say that on the door, um, I won't say, get behind me, Satan. I might mention it to Katie, but anyway. Um, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. This is humanism. It's a good description of humanism. Ideas starting from men and women, but not from God. Things seen from people's point of view and not God's point of view because we're ignoring his word. It's saying that my thoughts, or this is the world, hopefully, my thoughts and ideas are more important than God's. I don't need to listen to his word. It is whatever I think is right. It's very much an independent spirit of the age we live in. It resists. This society resists any kind of authority, whether it's school teachers, church ministers, uh, police. We resist. We resist. We resist. Um, it says I'll do what I want and not what God or anyone else wants. I'll take what I like and what's meaningful, meaningful to me and I'm just going to reject the rest. That's humanism. That's someone saying I'm not going to, I don't care what God says. We don't want to fall into that. It. It's, dev- it's, it's a terrible concept if it finds its way into the heart of a Christian. It leads to no confidence in God's word because you're not even listening to it. You're not asking God to speak to you. It's rejecting the authority that comes with this collection of books. Instead, our beliefs and behaviours are shaped by human reasons or the social trends. You know, we're trying to fit in with society. We want to be nicey nicely to everybody. And of course we want to love everybody, but actually this word stands out as distinct and we need not to be shy of it. We start to get shaped by human reasons or social trends and then our concept can rapidly be reduced to what we think is fashionably acceptable and we put God in that place right at the end, I'll take the bits that everyone's okay with, we don't need to do that we look at the Bible and we go with that, not so the word filled believer you know, we need to let this nourish us and stand firm on it in the face of, of severe pressure and probably over the next 10 or 20 years churches will face incredible pressure and be asked to do things they don't believe in and it's at those times we say well we're not going to do it, we're not going to do it we're going to stand with the word of God and we all know what those challenges are So these verses, and I'll whiz through these now, from Psalm 1, speak right into where you want to be as a spirit-filled disciple of God. First of all, it says, blessed is the man. I mean, it's a generic, it can be man, woman or child. It's not only half of us that are blessed. Blessed is the man. It's a positive opening statement. There's 150 Psalms in the Bible, 2,461 verses. The first word that God says in the first Psalm is blessed. So he's a positive God that's a good thing uh, but how do we get blessed how do we get blessed by God firstly what not to do we what we don't want to do we, you, you, the one who's not blessed is listening verse one to the counsel of the wicked this is listening uh, to the world what is the counsel of the wicked it can be the company you keep I'm not saying you only have to associate with Christians you got to evangelize to somebody um but it's the counsel you keep and the company you keep, you've got to be careful. You've still got to stick with the word of God. People tell you all the time what you should be doing, what's good for you. It's a very self-centred attitude. Actually, God shows us what's good for us. Magazine articles encourage you to look to please yourself rather than serve others. TV shows watching, uh, that we're watching influence our thinking. Advertising is a multi-billion dollar industry. Why? Because they know if you see and hear it, it will affect you and you start to believe it. So if we're not seeing and hearing from God's word, we're not not going to believe it that much. If we keep listening to the voice of culture, we're going to believe that more. But we've got to stand firm on God's promises. God is saying this morning, you're blessed if you don't do that. You Listen to this, don't do that. Because if you listen to those things more than God, then you're walking along with the counsel of the wicked. It's also the one who doesn't, verse 1, stand in the way, the same way of sinners. If you listen to those voices more than God, then you become more like the world than Christ. That's not God's best for you. That's not being blessed. You know, you can take stuff in. It's easy to fall in step with what's going on. You can let things go. It doesn't really matter. And there's an eroding. Of your confidence in God's word, it's easier sometimes to stay quiet. But God says this morning, you're blessed if you don't do that. Concentrate on my word. Concentrate what I'm saying. You can listen sometimes to what the world's saying, but does it fit in with Scripture? It doesn't always, and it's okay to say so. The one who's blessed is also one um, who who doesn't um, mock. Don't mock the word of God. Sole purpose some people in life seems to be mock or throw cold water on everything, including the Bible. And especially to you, when you're trying to live according to God's will, your non-Christian friends often say, oh really, you've got to go down that, you know. You've got to say, yes, this is me as a Christian. It goes against his word. I want to trust God's word. Notice what the mockers are doing in this, uh, in this passage, in a seat of mockers. They're sitting down, not making much effort. The ones that normally tell, tell you what you should be doing, how you should be behaving, or even what you should be doing in the church are the ones sitting down, the ones not willing to get involved. You, know, you should do it like this but I'll just sit here and tell you that. But we're ignoring God's word word, while the world goes on directionless. The church must be be passionate about it. Who is blessed? The one who doesn't mock God and his word, either with listening to the world's messages or the voices that accompany we keep, but totally relying on God's word. The other mockers are the ones that denies existence, try and discourage you from your faith, not thinking they need Christ. They do. They're mockers. And, you know, the Bible says God will not be mocked and there will come a day. And that's not what to do. Here's what we do instead. God's not a negative God. He's a positive God. And uh, the blessed person is the one, verse 2, who delights in the law of the Lord, the Bible. We've got all these other influences, ungodly, wicked, workplace TV, magazines, the mockers, time constraints. God says don't take that in, but instead delight in the word of God which is living and active, as we've said. You're blessed if you let the word of God be the direction in your life. I know I'm emphasising the same point, but I do think the church in the West has to recapture its confidence in the Bible. It's proven time and time again to be true. It speaks in life into people and into churches. So we've got to take it seriously. So we, need, we want to be blessed by God, we get blessed by, by God... If I'm not walking in the counsel of the wicked or standing in the seat of sinners or sitting in the seat of mockers, but I'm, my delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, like Joshua was told to, he meditates day and night. And what's the result of all this is we allow the word of God to change our lives. You know, application. I've said it before, you know, don't want just the information, it's information that leads to transformation. Um, you know, we're becoming more like Christ, uh, reflecting Christ to the world. What do I change about my life as a result of what the word says? I won't know if I'm not reading it. Result of all this, what's the end game? Well, it's not good for the ungodly, the followers of the wicked, the swimmers with the tide, the mockers. Because verse four it says, "Well, they're going to be like chaff that the wind blows away." If you want to get to a kernel of grain, you have to remove the outer shell, and that's called the chaff or the husk. The chaff is very light, and a tiny gust of wind which has carried it away. Whereas the good grain falls back to the earth. What does it do? It grows. It grows, it's healthy. Verse five will not stand in the judgment for all because the only way you can stand is in Christ. But if you're a mocker and you're listening to the world, that won't be you. Won't stand verse five with the church. Sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus is the bridegroom. Church is to be presented holy and spotless. It can only happen if we're washed by Christ. If not, there's a warning, verse six, they will perish. But once again, God is a positive God and he provides that answer. Christ, who gives us that life-changing repentance, walking in his way, listening to his word, taking God's word seriously. One of my favourite verses in the Bible from Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I mean, I love that. Dwell in you, richly, dwell in you. It's not, not, I'm going to get my five minutes in. It's a constant thinking about it and applying it to my everyday life, uh, meditating on it. Letting it speak to me. And then God says you're going to flourish, verse 3, like a tree planted by streams of water. The water provides life, constantly flowing into the roots, nourishing, giving life, giving purpose. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. We need to be nourished by the word of God. The one who does this delights in the Bible, meditates on it, has Jesus their life giver. Verse 3, yields fruit. You know, we know that anything healthy yields fruit. You know if it's an apple tree, if there's an apple on the tree. You can tell me it's something else, but I'll tell you you're wrong. It's an apple. You know, We're Christians if we're being nourished by the word of God. You'll tell if I'm a Christian if I look and behave like one. And then we won't, verse 3, wither under pressure, the troubles of the world. Most importantly, verse 6, the Lord watches over us. We have to ask ourselves this morning... Uh, What camp are we in? Are we going to be like the wicked, going along with the worldview while ignoring God's word? Am I going to be like the chaff that gets blown away, not having a place in the final days with Christ and his church, ultimately to perish? Or or do I want to be blessed, the disciple who has a word-filled life, delighting in God's word, meditating on it, applying it to my life, healthy like a tree planted by streams of water? I went to see my mum and dad yesterday, which was nice. We got cod and mash and liquor. It's very nice. Mum's a pretty good cook. And I went there, and uh, she showed me this plant that we'd bought her. Um, Andrew bought it, uh, but uh, it was nice and put my name to it. And it was in a little watering can thing. And she said, "Oh, that plant's going well that you bought. I think it's a plant. It had flowers on it. I'm not really sure, but it was growing. Um, And uh, I said, what do you mean it's going well? She said, well, yesterday, it was very, very hot yesterday, wasn't it? See, that was summer. (laughs) <laughs> it's over, um, uh, very hot, and she said, I had it in my porch, because people walking along the front, they looked in my porch, and I can see them looking, uh, but where it got so hot yesterday, it all started to wilt and die, and so she said, what I did, I watered it quickly, I said to George, right, take it out of the bank, and I put it outside, and add sun, it had water, and she said, well, within hours, it was flourishing, it was flourishing, it had been watered, it had been nourished, and well, if we want to flourish, we've got to take God's word seriously, We need to be meditating and applying to our life, healthy, not withering, yielding fruit. So get into it. Take it seriously. This Bible here, uh, it says, I think I've told you this. From See, it's got these words which should be included in the canon of Scripture which says, Billericay Baptist Church, please do not remove from church. And I think I've told you before, in 2005, I ignored that because I found it in my briefcase when I went up to stock and so I rang uh, Carl up, the minister at the time, and said, I've got one of your Bibles. And the interesting thing was, he said, don't worry. For some reason, I think at some point you'll be bringing it back. It's interesting. Isn't it? um, but I love this Bible. It's my preaching Bible. I use it all the time now. I've underlined things. But I've also got my devotional Bible. And, and I get into that, and I scribble things in there as well. And it speaks. It's personal. And I want to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. And I want to write down things. If I had one tip for you, it's just get into it. Think about what it's saying. Um, And then ask God, what is he saying to you through that passage? And the best thing you can do, something I discovered a bit later on in my Christian life, write it down. Whatever you think the answer is, write it down. And over a period of time, you'll have a journal this thick of all these things that you believe God is saying to you. And you'll look back and you'll think, look how much he spoke. Look how much he spoke this morning. Look at the yellow stickies. God speaks through his word. If you're not in it, he's going to struggle to get through to you. You want to be blessed. You want to be blessed. Be a spirit-filled uh, believer, full of God's Holy Spirit, but also be a word-filled believer, knowing God's truth and being ready to speak prophetically into the world, being transformed. This is God's best for us. He watches over you as, we do, as you do that. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be delighted in him, to be spiritually healthy, to be able to be with him forever, getting into the word, feeding it, know it. If you want any tips about anything, come and see one of us. It's no problem. But we do need to be a people of word and spirit. This is is a holy book. 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament. The rest, you can do the maths, in the New Testament. Letters, poetry, love letters, history, um, gospel. It's amazing. And God speaks. So don't ignore it. Be uh, a believer who has a word-filled life. Okay? Amen. Amen. Good, one of you agrees. Um, Time's gone on a bit, so I'm going to ask Katie to come up. I'm just going to pray for you uh, before you go. Get into it and ask God to speak to you and just see what he does. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. And I pray, Lord, that we'd all be inspired to take it so seriously. And when we listen to some of the things that are going on in the world today, some of the current thinking that clearly goes against your word, help us to have love and show grace But also, Lord, help us to stand firm in your word. I pray we'll be faithful, but Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians, Lord. Please send your spirit to us to help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.